is Alistair Begg of Truth For Life, heard daily and weekends on Bible School Radio, 91.3 KDKR, Decatur, Dallas, Fort Worth, and on 91.3 KYJC Commerce. Portions of KDKR programming do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or staff. Prudent Money with Bob Brooks is sponsored by the Prudent Money Foundation on 91.3. Well, it is Cybersecurity Month. What steps to take to protect your home? Today we're going to take a look. Stay tuned for Prudent Money. Good afternoon. This is Bob Brooks, and you are listening to the Prudent Money Radio Show. Thank you so much for joining me today. You know I do appreciate it. Well, today is Cyber, or this month, excuse me, is Cybersecurity Month. And uh, what steps do you take to protect your home? Mortgage consultant Mark, Mark Pfeiffer, and uh, he comes every month once uh, one time to talk to us, is here today to talk about that. But before we jump in and talk about that, you know what question I'm going to ask, Mark. Uh, what are rates doing today? <laughs> well, Bob, first and foremost, as always, my friend, thank you for having me. I love, I love being uh, part of the show, and I just appreciate you welcoming uh, me uh, to the show. So Absolutely. rates right now, Mr. Bob? They are. They're in that mid to high seven range, depending on what you're looking at. So FreddieMac.com, you know, I like to quote that one. It updates once a week, shows 7.3. Mortgage News Daily, which is one that a lot of the media outlets have tagged on to lately, they're showing about a 7.7 for 30-year rate. So for those listeners that have heard me before over the last, you know, couple years, I will admit I did not see rates going up this high. I thought they'd be going the other direction about this time. But uh, here we are sitting in that mid to high sevens. So I would I would expect that in the very least that uh, we'll we'll cross the eight percent threshold just because that just always happens. But how high do you think they'll go? You know, so I, I, I joke with folks, and it's not joke because it's obviously a real thing. People got to pay these these rates. But a year ago, I tell this story often when people say, "Hey, where are rates going?" I said, "Well, a year ago, I thought rates about middle part of this year would have been back down." low sixes heading towards the fives. I I predicted low to mid sixes right about now. Um, And I was sitting on the sideline of a soccer game, and there's a gentleman who's been in in the industry longer than I've been alive. And I I turned to the the old pro, and I said, hey, where do you think rates are going? Because he actually asked me first. And I told him why, and I gave him all these examples. I turned to him, and I said, what do you you think? Where are rates going? He goes, eight. So a year ago, let's say rates were right at 7%, give or take. And I go, I go, eight, really? Why? He goes, I don't know. Just feels like it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so understand, somebody's been in the, the yeah. home building industry, the home, the mortgage industry for 40-plus years, called it a year ago just because it felt like it. So to answer your question, Bob, do we think or, do I think we're going to hit rates? I, they're eight. I think we possibly could here in the near future. But I'm telling you, the data, the underlying themes for what I'm seeing, I'm not – you know, I may not, my timing may not be right, but I'm still convinced in the next 12-ish months we will see rates. And I see, I see authorities of like National Association of Realtors, Texas Mortgage Bankers, National Mortgage Bankers. Like I've seen a lot of those saying we should maybe see a six point something by the end of this year. And then they say sometime in the next year we'll see a five point something. So the, the talking heads, the, the industry experts, they are predicting lower is just when. 
And where's where's this peak going to be? And I, I'm like you. Maybe we do see eight. Maybe we don't. To be determined. But, uh, man, they're going the wrong direction for where I thought they'd be at this point in time, if I'm being completely honest. Well, I think that uh, one thing that we we definitely is a takeaway from, from all of this. And, you know, I see this with the predictions of the markets and the economy and everything else. There are so many there's so many underlying things that are occurring at at the same time that we have no clue about. And that do affect the direction of rates and markets and everything else. It's it's tough to you know, if you look at it logically, which is what we tend to do, um, the the things that, that are really affecting rates we probably won't know until way later on down the road. So you just do uh, you, you do with what you can. What is the you know what is this as far as the real estate markets going? I mean, are the markets maybe starting to freeze up a bit, or what, what's what are you seeing? So, from a lead count, I'll, I'll speak to to personal experience as well as conversations with others. It, the leads themselves have gotten quiet in the last thirty to sixty days. Um, so some of that, and this is where we kind of scratch our head as the industry to say, man, is this normal or not normal? So historically, September's not a good month. And the reason being is there's always that last minute into school push where, you know, anybody who was on the fence for buying a home or doing something probably got in right there before the end of August. So the way I've, I've kind of been saying, like, we don't know if this is the normal lull because September's usually pretty bad. Yeah, and obviously we're just tough. taking it in October. Mm-hmm. So, but with 110 degrees heat, Right, that's going to prevent a lot of folks from wanting to do anything. I mean, what a what a beat down that was. And then you figure, you know, end of you know, school starting up, end of summer travel because travel still is robust. There's still a lot of people traveling. So to answer your question, there are there's less out there. But here's here's the the reality. Here's the reality. Prices are at an all time high. Like the five or six big whatever you want to look at, whether it's Zillow or Realtor.com or Case Shiller or the FHFA, like all these places that measure appreciation, don't believe the headlines. Headlines will say the median home price. That's not the average. That's not sales price. That's just like more homes, smaller homes are sold as opposed to big ones. But prices are at an all-time high. So while the market is softer in terms of there's not as much activity, there's also not as much for sale. Like inventory is still a real problem. Supply and demand kicks in. And there's still more demand than there is supply right now. So prices, even though the market's slower, there's less transactions, but there's not as much for sale right now either. So it's, it's this weird, weird thing where prices are still going up, but it's just not as many transactions out there. Yeah, and you know, something else that, that uh, is, is interesting to me and how it fits into the, to the supply and demand scenario is, is that you're seeing – a lot of apartments being built, apartment buildings being built. Mm-hmm. I, and obviously that is there to increase supply, I would assume. Mm-hmm. So what, what, is, what, is the, what is the effect of, because, I mean, you know, people, are, not, people are, are, are either specifically looking for a home or they're, you know, looking for an apartment. Do you see, do you see some of these apartment buildings uh, going online and, and solving some of the supply problem from the standpoint of someone who might have bought a house decides not to and decides to uh, lease an apartment rent an apartment i think i think they may help just you know find an equilibrium but the reality is i mean the 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 and i and i could be wrong so i understand this is i, I this isn't my specialty right it's a commercial so somebody out there in the commercial world feel free to call in and correct me 
but I've seen rents have dropped anywhere from like 18 to 25% because of what you just said, like more apartments are coming online and it's also just not the frenzy. But at the end of the day, millennials, the, the peak of millennials, if you see the graphs of, you know, when millennials are born, like they're all the, the bulk of the millennials are just now starting to hit their mid thirties, which is the catalyst to buy a home. So yes, apartments can help fill some needs, but at some point if you get married and you got a screaming kid or two screaming kids, you may need or want more space. Right. And that's going to, that's going to prompt that home building or the home buying is within dual income. Um, so yes, the apartments will certainly help with some, some of the supply, but I also just, and then this is Mark Pfeiffer now. This is no longer a stat. I mean, I, I don't know what the Dallas Fort Worth equilibrium is. I mean, nationwide, there's this shortage. But if you got a lot of folks coming into Texas, coming into North Texas, like, do we? And I don't know. I mean, I, I've seen numbers that says we're still grossly, woefully short of of housing, especially affordable housing. That's just I don't know where these people are going to live, and I just don't see an end in the near two or three years of how we can get home builders. Because here's the other thing, Bob. When things slow down like they are right now, the home builders we work with, nobody's chomping at the bit to go throw on eight to ten new homes this month, right? They're, they pulled back and said, let's see what happens. So even though there's a shortage, you know, they have to go get loans. They got to pay, you know, they got to make money. They got to pay bills and all this stuff, and they don't get paid until the house is sold and done. So a lot of them just saying, we're not going to take the risk right now if we don't know how long this slow, this lower housing piece may go on. So it's, it's, I don't know. The answer to your question, yes. Obviously, more apartments, more housing will help. I just don't know if it's going to solve anything in the near future. You know, it's interesting. It seems to me that the homeowners, excuse me, the, the builders, builder community could be a, a lot of the answer by bringing supply on over, over you know, a little bit longer time period, but still bringing in inventory. And it, we don't seem to have a shortage of land. But no. uh, it, it seems like that there's a hesitancy, and I and I may have all this all wrong, so I, I say that ahead of time. But you don't see a whole lot. You see more inventory building. And correct me, if, please correct me if I'm wrong. More inventory building than someone comes up to the builder and says, "Hey, we've been looking, can't find anything. We would like to build a house to these specifications." Do you? Do you I, am I right on that? That we don't see you as are, much. Yeah, to an extreme. So obviously not to to, to, to to paint the broad stroke that says, okay, this, this isn't everybody, but you're right in this sense. To build a custom home, like say, hey, I want to build, and somebody has that kind of money, it's big dollars. It, to make the economics of it are such that the home could be, and I'm making this up, I call it 800,000 million and on up, right? That's not, a, that's not a lot of the percentage of the population. So the builders, the, the builders that build, you know, 100 homes and up, Right, something like that. They, you're right. They will build the inventory. They'll put it on the ground. And and a lot of folks, and myself included, I'm not creative. <laughs> like I can't visualize a home. I need to see it on the ground, and I need to have it. Not to mention, a lot of folks, you know, hey, if I just got relocated to Dallas Fort Worth, I got to be in a home in the next 90 days. Right. So they need those inventory homes on the ground. So the builders, there is no shortage of land. For that comment, I agree with you. Like God bless Texas, man. We we can go north, south, east, and west from Dallas-Fort Worth and still there's land. The problem, the challenge, how do you do that? And then they have to anticipate that the market, if you build it, will they come? And then you have to do it at such a price point to where they still got to make money. And things keep getting more expensive. Labor's more expensive. Materials are still expensive. Land's expensive. So how do you put a product on the ground that the normal, air quotes, the normal American family can come in here and purchase that's not going to cost them seven, eight hundred grand? Like the challenge is that affordability, 
And I've had two conversations just this week. How do we get folks in the door to where they can manage a payment with today's seven and a half rate or whatever it is and paying what was once pre-COVID a $300,000 home is now four fifty. So that's their challenge is right. we want to build it, but how do we do it to where we can make money and still be in business next year to keep building more? So it's, I don't have a fix. I mean, rates being high right now. Here's what I'll tell all those listeners. And I know this sounds very self-serving, but we keep saying it. This actually is a good time to buy a home. No, it's not. You're crazy. Well, look, your interest rate won't be forever. Eventually, they can and will come down. I don't know when, but I would project sometime in the near future, in the next 12 to 24 months, when inflation does hit the Fed's target or close to it, rates will come down. So if you buy today, you're not competing. Because here's this stat, Bob. And I know we're going to get to the security part, so I don't want to, I don't want to miss that because I know it's not really But the reality is, if somebody's building a home today and like I mentioned, the activity's not there, you don't have the competition. But the stats show the online activity for people looking to buy a home is only down like 12%. Even though the market's off like 30 something percent for activity, the online activity is only down like, let's call it 10. I've seen different stats between 8 and 12. Let's say 12% down, meaning a lot of people are still trying to look. So as soon as rates start coming down, these people will come out and say, man, I can now afford. And all of a sudden, now you got competition. And guess what that does for the price? Because there's still this shortage. Prices then go up even more. So it really is a good time. If there's a house that you love that fits your needs and you can get in today, I would say do it knowing that that payment, that rate, is not forever. And there's certain things you can do to make that payment lower in the beginning. So it's it's a tough market. And it's certainly weird. I've been doing this for right at 20 years. And it's it's a weird market right now. There's no question. I'm glad that you mentioned cybersecurity because we always have a tendency to do this. We have a topic we want to talk about, and we don't get to it until two minutes left in the program. So uh, th- th- that's my, uh, my, my signal to jump in here and, and bring this up because this is something that really I don't know how much is uh, sensationalized about this, about title fraud. And I, but I know it goes on, and then there's you know people who there's companies that want to sell you insurance and everything else. Talk a little bit about the uh, the the whole idea, the problem with with uh, title fraud, what what it is, and what happens. Yeah, and I'm a, I know you and I have not talked about this. I know you, I know the theme today was this, but I'll, I'll kind of take that. and I'm going to dovetail it just a touch. Um, so title fraud in general, the the cases and the examples I've heard. It just, here's what I'll say to that. It, they just, you read these things, you're like, how does that happen? And, and meaning right. like the person involved, I don't think they exercise common sense. So here's what I will say to prevent something that, that if you were, were you know, scared of becoming a victim and falling, falling victim to title fraud, work with professionals you know, like, and trust. And if something doesn't feel right, if somebody's pressuring you to do something that doesn't feel right, or they're, especially if they're trying to do it quickly, like those are typically the main ways that people, I'm just like, somebody didn't do their homework. They didn't ask enough questions or get in line with the right professionals. Um, so I would just say from a title fraud standpoint, I've heard of different examples of how people have, and you just kind of scratch your head and say, how did that, how did that happen? Because it's, it's a heavily regulated like industry. Uh, and I've heard this like an RV park. I just literally heard this over the weekend. Like they call them like gypsy parks. Like somebody did this and it wasn't illegal. But the, the fact is they just prey on somebody who thinks that they're getting this deal of a lifetime. Too good to be true. So I just say just slow down and ask the right questions. But here's what I'll go with on the title fraud part, like wire fraud, which is the big part we promote here on the, the, the industry from the mortgage side. And this is, this is a, a closing, correct? 
Yeah, closing. So here's a real-life scenario example, and I'm going to change a few details, but I'm, I, I know of this. Fortunately, I'm not involved. <laughs> so I understand this is not me. I'm not changing the details to protect me or anybody I know, but the reality is I know for a fact this happened. Title, buyer show up today at closing. Buyer signs some paperwork. Congratulations, Mr. Smith. You own this home. All we need now is your $600,000 to close this home. What are you talking about, title person? I sent that money over yesterday. Uh, excuse me? No, you did not. Yes, I did. No, you did not. Yes, here's the email. And what happened, Bob, is somebody intercepted the email and then changed the account number, and these people wired the money to bad guys and lost 600 grand. So that's that's real-life story. That happened. I was like, no. Like, I heard of it. And it was kind of saying, I was like, no. So truthfully... And there's there's more details, but not not relevant to the story. But here's what I will tell you: if you're wiring money, some title companies will say, which which blows me away. Some will say they only accept wires, which the story I just gave you would make me worried. Some title companies will say we only accept certified funds check to prevent that wire fraud. But apparently, there's enough goofiness with certified funds checks too that some companies only want wires. So here's also everybody listening: buying a home or not, it doesn't matter. If you are involved in sending money via wire, the number one thing you need to do is you call. Don't let somebody call you. You call the person you're sending the money to and verbally confirm the instructions you have in front of you. So every time, and I send a lot of wires out for for various things that I do, every single time, my same bank I've used for years, I will still call them to say, is this the wire information? And they say, yes, 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 because I'm scared to death after hearing this story. So always confirm with a phone number you know is accurate because the bad guys will send you an email, and they'll change the phone number, and they'll answer it as if it's them. Oh, yeah, let's retire. Let's send it over. So use the third party, not from that email, but emails. Like, they're getting really good. So I'm going to make up a fake title company, faketitletexascompany.com. They will literally go get faketitlescompanytexas.net and send you an email from the .net. So everything looks the same. They'll take the logo, and they'll just put different information and send it to you, and you can wire the money. It is rampant. I mean, the numbers are astounding for how many, how much wire fraud is out there. So from a title fraud, again, if somebody, you know, don't, don't buy something you don't own or all that stuff, but I'm telling you, the wire thing is the real deal. And absolutely, if you send wires, just double and triple check and get verbal confirmation from people you know are the source. Cause it is scary how big that, that industry is getting. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what's a little bit, it's very concerning. And as you were t- telling that story, it just came to me that used to, you could hear a fraud, you could hear a scam that happened, and you would say, yeah, well, let me tell you how that happens without even looking it up. Because I here's where they went wrong. Today, some of these are so advanced, you've got to take a step back and go, how in the world did they pull that off? Totally. And they, it's just, so it's just part, unbelievable. When you send stuff an email, so this is now just, we're talking just security in general. And, and understand what I'm about to say is like, I don't get paid and I, I'm not up to you and this is a great company, but one password, I love the number one password.com. It's a website. My buddy's in IT. He says this is the real deal. It's like Fort Knox to get in there. Every single one of my passwords is different. But every once in a while, I do need to send, especially for like my website, like my IT guy needs something. And I change that password. Don't send all the information in one email. So if you ever have to send somebody a password or something in an email, send one email because what I've been told, and again, if anybody out there listening is in cybersecurity, let me know. What I've been told is you can kind of just grab bag as a bad guy. You go grab bag emails out there in cyberspace, but it's next to impossible to be able, unless they're in your system, 
it's next to impossible to be able to go grab two emails from the same person with the same everything. So if you send the login, hey, here's my login for this, and then in the separate email, send the passwords. I'd still, that's not ultra safe, but I, I do it, but it's in two separate emails. But yeah, a lot of it's just intercepting emails. Okay, here's another one to blow your mind, Bob. I'm not going to name names, but I know it's happened to multiple mortgage companies, and I think it even happened that, well, I won't, I won't say that because I, I don't want to put them on the radar and it's, it's not me, but I know for a fact there are bad guys in other countries that will hack into a system, to a company. I've heard this for hospitals, mortgage companies. I've heard this for counties. I've heard it just happens to, if they know somebody's got money, they'll hack into your system, they'll reach out to you, and they'll say, hey, congratulations, you're now working with us. We own your stuff. And they're like, excuse me, what? Yes, you owe us $1 million in Bitcoin. And once you give us the $1 million in Bitcoin, we'll give everything back to you and we'll turn your system back on. And I'm telling you, Bob, I have real-life examples. FBI gets involved. Ultimately, bad guys get the money. And yeah, that is, that is just incredibly, incredibly scary. <laughs> it is. And so, I mean, think about this. This is, and so you can think, because you're like, oh, how do I protect it? Like, these are real mortgage companies. And by the way, nobody's going to advertise that this happens unless you're like, unless you have to, right? Sure. Nobody's sure. going to put out a press release saying, hey, guess what? We just had everything freaking wiped. And again, 80, 90% of it can come back online. 10% of it just got, got scrambled, but you're at least back up and running. But companies can be down for, I've heard some instances where one company was down for like two weeks. Mm-hmm. I've heard one where they're down for about three days. And it's just, and they'll even give a reference. Like, here's how sophisticated they are. They'll literally say, hey, if you don't believe us, call so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so. It's these three different companies. We hacked them too, and they'll, they'll admit that they did it. And sure enough, they call up. They're like, hey, is this happening? Like, oh, yeah, pay them. And you pay the bad guys. And they're in another country, so you can't even get to them. So it's like, it is mind-blowing. So to answer your question, like, what do you do to prevent this stuff? Some of it you just can't. I mean, if you're getting a mortgage, I'm sorry. The mortgage industry needs your personal information. We need your tax returns. We need your pay subs. We need your bank statements, your social. It's going to happen. But the reality is all you can do is freeze your credit reports, experience your union Equifax, go online, get their apps, freeze it, lock it, whatever you want to do. It should be free to do it, by the way. It's a pain in the butt, but you got to do it. And it takes, like, you know, another phone call to unlock it. But go freeze your stuff. That's about all you can do. And then just don't be dumb. Don't be cavalier with your information, just throwing it all over the Internet. Uh, do your best to just make sure you're working with people you know, like, and trust. Once again, uh, Mark's website is mortgagemark.com. Go check it out. A lot of free information there. And uh, I'll tell you, it, it's, it's, a, it's a real – it is a real thing risk and uh, I hope people are listening because it, it is something you really got to pay attention to. Mark, always great to have you on the program. Look look forward to talking to you next uh, month and hopefully we'll have a conversation about rates falling. I love it, Mr. Bob. Have a great day and thanks for having me. Absolutely. This is Bob Brooks and you are listening to the Prudent Money Radio Show. I, I am uh, I'm glad that we were able to have this conversation with Mark about some of these things because you, you just... It's it's getting it, the uh, the whole identity theft situation scenario is getting a lot worse, and I've I, as we've been talking, I've I've seen a tremendous jump in activity. That's not to scare you. That's just to say, pay attention to what you're doing with your information, with your private information. Make sure you're changing those passwords. Just the basics and and the golden rule. The number one thing: never give out information to anybody who approaches you. And that would even work in that title fraud as well. I was just thinking about that. As they approached you, they gave you this information, 
and uh, just uh, always verify before you just send any money. Hey, this is Bob Brooks. If you got a question for me, please go to the website at prudentmoney.com and send it in because we are all out of time. Until we do meet again next time, keep the faith and have a great rest of the day. That's all the time we have for today. Questions or comments for Bob or to find out more great information like what you've just heard, visit www.prudentmoney.com. Be sure to join Bob Brooks again for the next edition of Prudent Money.